Brother Diane Woods was doing the preaching. And Brother Woods had some type of comment about introductions. And, and Brother Woods' philosophy was, introductions before a man gets up to speak are a lot like expensive French perfume. A little bit is real nice, but too much just stinks. <laughs> it's always uh, a good thing for me and Donna to be with you. Uh, since we moved to this part of the world in 1999, the church here has been so gracious to us and so kind and so encouraging. And so once again, we're the ones who are blessed by being able to be with you today. And we thank you for your kindness and and your graciousness, which you always extend to us. If you have a Bible with you this morning, would you please turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, if you would like to do an in-depth study of the book of 2 Corinthians, let me invite you to a class that I'll be teaching beginning on August the 12th. If you go to Chattanooga and fly to Atlanta and fly to the West Coast and on, it'll take you about 34 hours to get there. But we will be beginning a study of the book of 2 Corinthians on Tuesday nights on August the 12th, Lord willing. One thing I failed to mention in class this morning, and that is when we're back in the U.S., we spend a couple of weeks every July uh, conducting a Bible camp in Polk County, Tennessee. Uh, it's, it's at a place called Camp McCroy. And so we call it McCroy Bible Camp. And if you have children or grandchildren or know anyone uh, that is going into at least the third grade, up through ages 19, we have openings for those weeks. If you'll see us after services, we'll be able to help you get information and make arrangements for that. The Bible. If someone were to ask you, this book, this Bible. What's this book about? You might say, well, this is a book which reveals to us and tells us about the God of heaven. Well, that's certainly accurate. It tells us who God is. It tells us what God has done for us. And it tells us God's will, that is, what God expects from us. It's a message about God's desire for every inhabitant of the planet Earth to live their lives in such a way that they might live eternally with Him in heaven. And the Bible's great message is that through Jesus, through the blood that He shed on Calvary's cross, we can in fact be reconciled with God in this life and enjoy eternal life in the life to come. But we also know this. The reality of life is not everything you hear on the news is good news. The reality of life is not every physical body on the planet earth is in excellent condition. The reality is not everything in life goes like we would like it to go. We face challenges. We face trials. We face unpleasantries, and to top it all off, we have to deal with the consequences of our own foolish mistakes. And so sometimes we may be overwhelmed with the immorality of society. 
We may be overwhelmed with the bad news that we hear through the media. And we may sometimes just feel like crawling in a corner and not wanting to face life again. I don't know the name of every Christian that was a member of the congregation there in Corinth. But I know that in most aspects of life, they were people like you and me. They were in the Christ and they had all the spiritual blessings that God makes available through Jesus. And so they were blessed people. They were rich, spiritually speaking. But I know that they had daily challenges and they had trials and they had temptations. And it's interesting, as strong as the message of 1 Corinthians was in so many ways, Paul begins this second letter which we have in the New Testament. From Paul to the church at Corinth, Paul begins by talking about the God of heaven and the comfort that he extends to his people. I did a double check. A double check yesterday just to make sure. We're going to read several verses here in chapter 1. And it's interesting, in the English Bible, in the King James Version, in the New King James Version, in these verses which we're going to read, we're going to read the word comfort as a noun, we're going to read the word comfort as a verb, over and over. There's another English word that begins with the letter C-O that we're also going to read, and it's the word consolation. Now here's what I found. In our English Bibles, in the text of 2 Corinthians 1, the word consolation and the word comfort come from the same Greek word. I don't know, I'm not criticizing, I just don't know why our translators would choose in one verse to use comfort and in the next verse to use consolation. It's the same Greek word. So what I'm saying to you is this. When we read over and over and over in these verses about comfort and consolation, that's comfort. I want to read with you now beginning in chapter 1 and verse number 3. The Bible says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation." that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. It was obvious in the manner in which I read those verses that I was wanting you to notice every time when Paul used the word comfort or the word consolation. But did you notice, did you notice in those verses which we just read that Paul also speaks about their tribulation and he speaks about their sufferings? Yes, these were common, ordinary, real Christians who faced challenges and trials and sufferings and tribulation. But Paul wants them to know. 
Paul's not asking them to close their eyes to the reality of life. But he wants them to know as they live their lives day by day, there not only is a God in heaven who had the power to create this world. There's a God in heaven who cares about His people. And as verse 3 says, He is the God of all comfort. I want to study with you this morning for a few moments. The theme, our God, the God of heaven, is the God of comfort. And what we're going to see in our lesson is, we serve the God of comfort who's given us His word of comfort, and we His people are to be people of comfort. We're comforted, and we comfort others. But let's begin this morning with with thought number one, that our God, the God of heaven, is the God of comfort. Again, God does not expect us and does not want us to close our eyes to the realities of the world. If society is in a moral mess, we need to recognize that. If if we are losing our children to the world, we need to recognize that. But at the same time, even though there are things going on in the world, maybe even in our own families, our own lives, which are not pleasant to face and not pleasant to deal with, God wants us to know that He cares and He is able and ready to comfort us. About ten times. Approximately ten times in those five verses we just read in 1 Corinthians 1 from verse 3 to verse 7. About ten times Paul talks about consolation or comfort. He wanted those saints in the city of Corinth which was a moral disaster. Right? Corinth was a center of immorality. Corinth was a center of idolatry. And the Holy Spirit through Paul writes this message to them and he wants them to be reminded and never forget that regardless of how tough life is, regardless of how horrible society conducts itself, regardless of the insane decisions that governments may make, the God of heaven is the God of comfort. Surely one of the most well-known and well-beloved chapters in the entire Old Testament is Psalm 23. We've heard it how many times? We've read it how many times? And there in Psalm 23 in verse 4 are those words that comfort us even as they did the psalmist. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And sometimes in the Bible, maybe the Bible doesn't use the exact word comfort, but the idea is there. Let me ask you this question. Suppose someone were to inquire. That last night when Jesus was with his apostles in that upper room, when he was together with that special group of of trained disciples, why do you suppose... He talked over and over, I'm going, but I'm going to send the comforter or the helper. Why did he talk over and over about the need for them to get their minds ready for that transition into life without him among them? He's doing it to what? To comfort them. 
He knows when he's going to be taken into custody. He knows when he's going to be put on the cross. He knows when he's going to be put in the grave. That mentally it's going to be a challenge for them. He wants them to be comforted. And so what did he say? Let not your hearts be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. John 14 and verse 1. The same night he went on to say, John 16 and verse 33. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. There was a woman. A woman who had had an issue. A blood issue for 12 years. Finally she was able to come to the Master. And she touched the hem of His garment. And she was made whole. And Jesus spoke to that woman. And Jesus said to that woman, Be of good cheer. The the New King James says, He said to her, Be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Luke 8 and verse 48. Here's a principle we need to learn. I know sometimes we face dark days in life. Sometimes we face what seem to be insurmountable challenges. But here's a principle. When the God of heaven says it's time to rejoice, it's time to rejoice. And when the God of heaven says it's time to be of good cheer, it's time to be of good cheer. And when the God of heaven says it's time to be comforted, it's time to be comforted. And so we take comfort this morning as children of the living God to know that we not only serve a powerful God, but we serve a caring God who is the God of comfort. Number two. The God of comfort has given us His message of comfort. If we were discussing this morning the topic, why do Christians, if we're not bound by the old law, why do Christians, if we're not amenable to the law of Moses, why do we even use our time and energy studying the Old Testament? Well, certainly one answer is found in Romans 15 and verse number 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have what? Might have hope. So so God's Word is a message of hope. Turn over in your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul himself had personally been to the church. He'd been rather to the city of Thessalonica. Paul went there and helped establish the congregation. And when he was there, he had talked to them on his first visit. He had talked to them about the coming of the Lord Jesus. But it's obvious as you and I read 1 Thessalonians 4 that some of the brethren there in Thessalonica were concerned they were concerned, well, what about those people who have already passed away? What about those brothers and sisters in the Lord? At the time the Lord Jesus comes in His glory, will they miss out? Or will they be able to share in His glory? Paul said not to worry. Paul said if you're comparing two groups of people, if you're comparing the saints who are still living and the saints who have passed from this life, he said not to worry. He said, in fact, when the Lord Jesus comes again and raises the dead, the dead saints will be with Him first, and then we which are alive shall be caught up into the air, right? And there we shall ever be with the Lord. So Paul, on the one hand, is giving this instruction as a reminder. 
Paul number two is giving this instruction so they'll be clear. But he's also giving this instruction to comfort their troubled minds. Look in the last verse of chapter 4. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. What words are you talking about, Paul? I'm talking about the words that I'm writing in this letter which came from the Holy Spirit. Here's the principle. Just as Paul's inspired letter to the Christians in Thessalonica was a message of comfort for them, God's Word is a message of comfort for those people who submit to the will of the God of heaven. Now, let's, let's be clear. And let's be careful as we present a message of comfort to the world. The Bible's message is clear that when the rich man and Lazarus left this world, their material circumstances were quite different when they lived on the planet Earth. And after they left this world, their eternal consequences were quite different as well, weren't they? When the rich man opened his eyes in Hades, And he saw Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. Abraham reminded him of their past circumstances. And Abraham said, look, now you are in a place of torment. Lazarus is in a place of comfort. I want you to understand that Abraham's message to the rich man was not everybody's comforted by where they end up eternally. That wasn't the message. There was a message of comfort for those who submit to the will of God. But the Bible says plainly in 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 7 through 9, And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. So there is a New Testament message which says the God of heaven is a God of comfort to those who submit to His will. But we would be cautious in saying that God's spiritual blessings are arranged in one location only. By the will of God, all spiritual blessings are in His Son. And one of those spiritual blessings is the hope of eternal life. Where? In His Son. One of the roles, one of the roles of the prophets in the first century was to comfort God's people. Look over in your Bible in 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14 is part of a a section of the book of 1 Corinthians, which deals with spiritual, that is, miraculous gifts. In fact, if you want to think about 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 13, and 1 Corinthians 14 as one unit, that section is dealing with which gifts were available, how long would they be available, and how were they to be used as long as they were available. Well, look in your Bible in chapter 14. And here in this chapter, in more than one way, Paul sets forth a contrast between the gift of prophecy and the gift of speaking in tongues. Look in verse number 3. 
But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and what? And comfort. Drop down in the same chapter, verse number 31. For ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be comforted. A prophet was a person who served as a spokesperson or messenger of of the Lord. And in the first century, we see in, in 1 Corinthians 14, that in working with the Christians, part of the role of prophets was to deliver a message which was a message of comfort. That brings us back to the point that we're highlighting now. We serve the God of comfort who's given us His word of comfort. And aren't we thankful? But number three, not only is the creator of the world the God of all comfort, And not only has He given us His word of comfort, but number three, God wants us to be people of comfort. That is, God wants us to be people who comfort others. Let's run back to the book of 1 Thessalonians. You might recall in a a matter from the earthly life of Jesus that when Lazarus The brother of Martha and Mary passed away. When Jesus arrived at the home of Mary and Martha, there were a number of Jewish people there. Why were they there? You say, well, I guess they're there to show their respects. I think we can say that. The Bible's message is there were many Jews there who came to comfort them. That's what God's people do. God's people rally around one another to comfort one another and to encourage one another and to be there for one another. But look in your Bible, and there are several verses, and we'll read some of these, several verses in 1 Thessalonians where Paul speaks about one Christian comforting others. Look in your Bible in chapter 2. Look beginning in verse 10, and I'll read 10 and 11. The Bible says, Ye are witnesses. And God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Verse 11. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. Paul's reminding the Christians in Thessalonica. That in his past dealings with them, in his face-to-face, person-to-person dealings with them, he said, if you'll recall, he said, we exhorted you, we charged you, and we comforted you. He said, in fact, if you remember, we comforted every one of you. That's what you call a personal touch. And he said, we comforted you as a father comforts his children. As fathers. I know that there are times when we look at our role with our children as we need to be a a strong disciplinarian. Okay? Okay. But there's also a place in the hearts of our children... For us to take the time 
and make the effort to encourage them and give them a verbal pat on the back and to comfort them. But here the principle is, Paul said, we comforted you, we comforted every one of you, and we comforted every one of you because we care about you, just like a father does for his children. Paul went on to leave the city of Thessalonica. Paul went there and preached the gospel. The church was established, but Paul, as you know, he didn't put down roots in one place. He went on to other places to preach. But after he left Thessalonica, Paul within him was so concerned about those new Christians back in Thessalonica, he sent someone back to check on them. Look at your Bible in chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse number 1. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timotheus, our brother, and minister of God, and our fellow labor in the gospel of Christ, to establish or strengthen you, and to comfort you concerning your faith. So, He sends Timothy to comfort and encourage these new babies in Jesus. And then Timothy goes back to Paul with a message. Drop down to verse 7. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. Did you get the direction of the comfort? The comfort was too directional. Paul sent Timothy to comfort them. And when they had good news about things going on in their life, that message came back to Paul, and they, he was what? He was comforted by that message. The New Testament speaks about, as children of God, we are to love one another, we are to serve one another, we're to be hospitable to one another, and we are to comfort one another. Look in your Bible in chapter 5. We already read in chapter 4 and verse 18, Wherefore comfort one another with these words. Look in chapter 5 and verse 11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. Verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded or faint-hearted. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. Christianity has a different approach than the world has. A world which has been told over and over and over, we're simply animals, we're a great form, but we're simply animals. In a world in which people are told over and over, look out for number one. In a world in which people are told over and over, you want to be a success in life, you just just walk over anybody that gets in your way. In contrast to that, The message to the Christians here in chapter 5 and verse 14 is, if you've got someone that's feeble-minded or struggling with faint-heartedness, what do you do? You comfort that person. You don't belittle him. You don't kick him while he's down. You don't think of him as being on a lower level. You comfort that person. And verse 14 says, when you deal with the weak, you lift them up and you hold them up. That's part of brotherly love because we care about one another and we want to comfort one another. Look at your Bible in 2 Corinthians 7. This is a fascinating passage to me. Picture in your mind if you would. Paul had already written the book of 1 Corinthians. And after Paul wrote that book of 1 Corinthians, he sent Titus down to Corinth to see how things were going. 
He wanted to see how the brethren there had received that message. He wanted to see how the brethren were doing spiritually. And so Paul left where he was, and he was hoping to meet up with Titus in a certain place. And the Bible tells us in chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians that when Paul got there to Troas and Titus wasn't there, Paul said, I was troubled in my spirit. Even though there was an open door, he said, I just couldn't stay. So Paul went on, and finally, finally, Paul met up with Titus. I wonder what kind of news Titus is going to bring from the church in Corinth. And how has that news had an effect on Titus's mindset? And how is that news going to affect the mindset of the Apostle Paul? Let's read. 2 Corinthians 7, verse number 5. The Bible says, For when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. Verse 6. Nevertheless, God, that comforted those that are cast down, comforted us. How? By the coming of Titus. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you. When he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoiced the morning. Here's the picture. When Titus went to Corinth and saw with his own eyes and heard with his own ears what was going on in the church in Corinth, it wasn't perfect. There were some things that needed to be ironed out. But in general, Titus was encouraged. He was comforted. Now then, when Titus meets up with Paul, Paul writes a fact. And the fact, according to verse 6, is... God comforted us. God comforts those who are cast down. And Paul's message is, God comforted us. Well, what did God do? Did God jump off of His throne in heaven and jump into their hearts miraculously? No. Well, how did God get the hearts of Paul and others comforted? According to verse number 5, He comforted us, how? By the coming of Titus. In this case, in this case, Titus was the Lord's instrument by which he comforted the heart of Paul and others. God uses human vessels to comfort other people. God can use you and God can use me to comfort other people, to lift them up and to strengthen them. And sometimes we're a comfort to people without ever saying a word, just by their knowing that we're there and we'll be there as long as we need to be there, and we'll come back as often as we need to come back. Just by letting them know that we care, that's a comfort to people. But let's, let's look at some final application before we close our lesson today. We've seen that the God of heaven is the God of comfort. We've seen that God's word is a message of comfort. We've seen that God's people are people of comfort. 
Let's notice now some scenarios in life where God comforts people. In God's working with His children, sometimes we may feel like we don't have any idea where our life is headed. We're not trying to predict the future, but we have no idea how much longer we're going to be able to work at the place we're working. We have no idea how much longer our health is going to hold out so we can even work. And so sometimes we are troubled within ourselves. Well, there's a message from the God of heaven that said, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew 11 and verse 28. That doesn't take away the challenges of life. It doesn't reduce the trials of life, but it gives us inner strength in knowing that the Lord of heaven and earth cares about us when we're facing those times. Sometimes people really have convinced themselves that even though they're members of the Lord's body, that no one really cares about them. Their neighbors don't seem to care. Their friends don't seem to care. Their co-workers don't seem to care. Maybe even those folks I assemble with, they don't really seem to care. Well, sometimes people have that out of proportion, but here's the reality. 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, the message is, we're to cast our cares on the Lord for He cares for us. You say, well, Brother Roger, I don't want to trouble the Lord with my little itty-bitty troubles. God said, trouble me. Yeah. God said, bring your trials. God said, bring your challenges. God said, bring your cares to me, and I'll help you get through those. That's a source of comfort. We think about that two-word message in John 11 and verse 35. Jesus wept. Well, what were the circumstances? Jesus was touched by what was going on at the house of Mary and Martha after the death of Lazarus. He was touched. And he had compassion. And one of the things that comes to mind most quickly when we think about comforting our brothers and sisters is to be there for them and to stand by them when they're facing the trial of life, when they've lost a loved one, someone about whom they care very, very much. We remind them, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. Psalm 116 and verse number 15. He said, but Brother Roger, I'm facing a lot of temptation. I'm facing a lot of trials in life. And I don't know if I can stand up under all these things. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit to the Lord and draw near to the Lord and he will draw near to you. James 4 verses 7 and 8. Sometimes in life we become troubled because, well, let's just be honest. We've not told anyone else, but we're thinking about quitting. Quitting? Quitting what? I'm I'm thinking about quitting the church. There's a message from God. And the message is, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to those that love him. James 1 and verse number 12. God's message is if we'll hang in there and hang in there and hang in there, there's a crown of life that He's promised for those that love Him. You say, Brother Roger, you don't understand. I've committed a a lot of horrible sins in my life. I've done a lot of things that are wrong. 
Jesus' message is, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Matthew 5 and verse 4. Those who are sick because of the sins they've committed, when they humble themselves before God and they serve God and God puts away those sins, their mourning can be turned into joy. Because of the blood of Jesus and the power that it has. You will say, Brother Roger, I committed this sin 30 years ago and it troubles me every day. The message of the Bible is let it go. Look, Hebrews 8 and verse 12, what's the message? Under the new covenant of the Lord Jesus, God's promises, their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. If we've taken it as a child of God, if we've taken it to the throne of mercy, and God's forgiven that sin, whether it was 13 years ago or 13 months or 13 minutes ago, if God's forgiven it and forgotten it, let it go. You say, well, Brother Roger, I I just struggle. I, I can't be perfect. God doesn't expect us to be perfect. And I think one of the challenges we sometimes face... One of the comforts that brothers and sisters need to be aware of is, look, God doesn't expect us to be perfect. Entrance into heaven is not based upon whether or not you were perfect in this life because no one can meet that standard. But God does give this promise. If we walk in the light, yes, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're not at all belittling sin. We're not at all minimizing the effects of sin. We're simply saying the God of heaven who created us and the God of heaven who prepared heaven for us is a God of comfort. He's given us a message of comfort. He wants us to be people of comfort. And God's there to comfort us through His Word and through His people. But we have to allow ourselves to be comforted. Sometimes we take the macho approach which says, I don't need anyone or anybody. Yes, we do. Here's a word of comfort as we close our lesson this morning. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help. In time of trouble. Psalm 46. In verse 1. What about you this morning? Have you heard the gospel of Jesus? That through his death on Calvary your sins can be washed away by his blood. Do you not believe that Jesus is the son of the living God? Would you not be willing to lay aside your sins in repentance? Confess your faith in Jesus and then be immersed into the Christ for the remission of sins. God will wash away every sin. Remember it no more. You'll be born again in the Lord's kingdom, ready to go to heaven. Or maybe here this morning as a child of God and need our prayers. It's God's invitation to you as you stand and we sing together.